If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? From the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest, you are listening to the Ernest Mann Show. I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Coming to you no matter where, what time, or what place you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful, but sometimes incredibly crazy world we all live in. Hello, everyone. And thank you for tuning in or for tuning in again. This is episode number 274, The Coming Palestinian Slaughter, brought to them by the State of Israel. This episode is actually a continuation of episode number 273. So if you missed it, you might want to go back and give it a listen first. As I stated in the previous episode, if you are a Jewish person and you have the courage to listen to what I'm about to say, I applaud you. You are a true mensch. If, on the other hand, you happen to fall into the opposite camp of knee-jerk nationalistic support for Israel's elitist pro-fascist policies, suffered by the Palestinians and Arabs for the past 60 years, actions the Nazis themselves would have been proud of, and choose the now age-old tactic of accusing me of being anti-Semitic, I simply say, to hell with you, and your obsequious and inane support of Mother Israel. I wanted to get this episode out before the slaughter begins. Yes, I am fully aware of the damage and body count inflicted by Hamas on Israel. And since it has been on every news media source nonstop 27, 24-7, I suppose the only people that are not aware of this are either living in a cave or dead. It's a real shame, however, that the general public is so ignorant and very unaware of what Israel has been doing to the Arabs and Palestinians for the last 60 years. Gee, I wonder how or why that could be. So now that I have received many emails from all of you all about the things I had omitted or forgotten, I'm telling you all that you're correct. And so, here are some of the things I left out of episode number 273 that you said I should have mentioned. Does anyone notice, for example, that when Ukraine's President Zelensky came to the U.S. begging for money and military support, yes, Biden, with Congress's blessing, eventually if begrudgingly, gave him some, but still more or less acted as though Zelensky was an annoying bug 
buzzing around them. That, except for the nice PR Russia-hating moments. They really just wanted to shoo him away. Yet practically the instant the attack came from Hamas on Israel, here was Biden, the corporate news media, and practically Jesus Christ himself, offering tears and endless affirmations of love and support, and of course, money and military aid. Now, I don't know about you, but in my mind's eye, this is far and above brown-nosing people. This is full, blown out, and out 100% ass-sucking. Why is that? Why is it that a Bibi Netanyahu so much as stubs his Arab-hating toe at 3 a.m. when he goes out to take a piss on a Palestinian from his mansion's balcony, Biden would be there to suck his toe to make it feel better, or probably something else as well. You may ask, well, it just so happens old Ernest knows. That's why you listen to me, because you want to know what the hell is really going on, what the truth is, not how damn eloquently I speak. Now, the hard truth of the matter is, America has been kissing Israel's ass since the mid-60s. Actually, they've been kissing the ass of the two major players of the Middle East, the Saudis, the oil-rich Arabs, and the Israelis, the now the heavy-duty military thugs, that is, respectfully. Because going back to 1948, the U.S. understood that by using the United Nations to divide Palestine and create the State of Israel, that this new State of Israel would need protection. Just like a mobster offers your small grocery store protection, just in case someone might, for some utterly bizarre reason, just decide to throw a big fucking bomb through your small grocery store window. So the new and fledgling state of Israel allowed the mobsters of the U.S. military-industrial complex to put military bases in and around Israel for strategic defense purposes. And as they say, the rest is history. The only real problem ever since, well, ever since the creation of the state of Israel, is how the hell do you get along with all those people around you that really hate you? Something which people have a tendency to do when you've basically stolen their land and subjugated their people. Ask any American Indian living on a reservation in the U.S., they'll tell you all about it. But America's military-industrial complex didn't stop there. Oh, no. Because they realized that since the Saudis discovered a huge shitload of oil, we could help them manage it and protect it from serious potential enemies such as other Arab clans and tribes, Egypt, and yes, even Israel. Very long story short, as far as the Saudis were concerned, the U.S. military protection racket 
offered the Saudis protection by being allowed to place more U.S. military bases in Saudi Arabia if the Saudis agreed to sell and trade their oil in U.S. dollars and U.S. dollars only. And it has been that way, well, ever since. But wait, there's more. For many decades, the Israeli news media and certainly their friends in the American news media have cherry-picked stories about civil unrest with the Palestinians, particularly when it's violent confrontations, meaning the Palestinians are throwing rocks at Israeli military occupiers, but hardly ever showing any stories about the suppression of the Palestinians or when such confrontations were obviously egged on by Israeli occupying forces. This overwhelmingly one-sided situation would be absolutely laughable if it weren't for being so incredibly depressing and sad. When you take into account the thousands of Palestinian deaths from these confrontations over the last 60 years, genocide, even if stretched out over many years, is still genocide. Consider the following. Israel has a navy. It also has an air force, and it certainly has an army. As a matter of fact, it has the world's fourth strongest military. It receives a tremendous amount of both financial aid and military hardware from, that's right, you guessed it, the United States. Now, with the exception of this most recent attack from Hamas, Israel has not experienced a significant attack like this in quite some time. And yes, as I've stated before, it is a terrible thing. But relatively speaking, what do the Palestinians, the absolute greatest terroristic threat humanity has ever known, according to the Israeli government, possess in their great and evil intended army's arsenal? rocks. Lots and lots of rocks. I am in no way kidding. Yes, of course, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. I'm sure they have a few rifles, some handguns, a few grenades, and maybe just a few landmines or bazookas. But by comparison, they essentially have nothing except their will which the Israeli government, even after over 60 years of subjugation, has failed to take away. The Palestinians and Arabs continue to stand up against their oppressors, even if they know it means even more great suffering or even death. This continuing oppressive situation reminds me of the courageous Jewish partisans of the Polish Warsaw Ghetto Uprising in 1943. Just try to put yourself in their position for one moment. Those partisans knew that they almost certainly would have to die, but at least through the uprising, well, at least they would die on their feet. At least they would meet their fate resisting, and if there's a heaven those partisans certainly deserve 
to be there. I've never forgotten what an old friend once knew who lived in Israel told me several years ago. He told me it was an old joke of certain ironies about living in Israel amongst many Israelis. He said, <clears throat> Israel is a great place to live. Too bad it doesn't have any Jews. Until next time, this is Ernest reminding you that there are no bad words, only bad actions. Take care.